0: I play video games. I play a lot of games. And um, I played Xbox. I had a lot of Xbox mm-hmm. buddies online. One of them happened to live in, in uh, Shanghai. Mm-hmm. And I was looking for a change in my life, uh, mm-hmm. looking for something different. And so I told him, you know, hey, you know, I'm looking for something different. What's it like in, in Shanghai? I said, that's great. You should come live with us.
1: Hey there. Welcome to How I Got Hired. This is a show about ordinary people like you and me and how they created extraordinary success in their career. So every single Monday, what we do is we uncover how they got hired in those career defining roles, whether it's by companies, whether it's by their very first paid clients. And we are all about fully practical strategies and tactics. No time for fluff, my friends. So if that is what you're about, you are in the right place. Welcome, my name is Sonal Bell, top 25 career coach and here I am every single week to help you to supercharge your believability, networkability, marketability and hireability so you have a career and life that you are proud of. Now go in and listen with an open heart and an open mind and believe, really believe if they could do it, you can do it too. Let's get started. Hey there welcome back my guest today has worked with cnn huffington post business insider hsbc linkedin and even a top gaming company in hong kong i mean how unfair is this life (laughs) chris anderson recently moved back to his native california after some very adventurous years in southeast asia now there are three specific reasons i wanted to bring chris on the show number one Chris not only talks about career pivots which is one of my favorite topics but he's also lived it in his own life the second is the one theme that you know circles around chris's career it's related to content whether it's managing it mastering it learning what works and what doesn't the third is chris spearheaded the top startups campaign while at linkedin news and i want to talk about startups today the good the bad the ugly i've been looking forward to this conversation for weeks super excited here to welcome you, Chris, to How I Got Hired.
0: Thank you, Sonal. Really good to be here. Uh, And thank you for waiting for weeks for me. I I do appreciate that.
1: You're (laughs) very welcome. And I know it's completely worth it. So Chris, we're going to get right into it. I'm going to ask you like almost an impossible question. So, you know, the life of a writer, an editor, it can be pretty unpredictable, right? And sometimes people would say it can even feel unsustainable. So when you look back on your career so far, which position or gig would you say you feel extremely lucky to have had? And talk to us about how you got hired there.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's that's really that that's really tough. Uh, mainly tough for me because I have had so many different kinds of of gigs, and I feel very fortunate to have had. Just about all of them, uh, even some of the ones that are the bad ones, because I learned a lot from having um, maybe not the best experience even as well. But there are a few that do stand out. Yeah. One of them, I think uh, I will say was CNN, uh, which, which was actually CNN Go Yeah. and CNN Go was basically a startup within CNN mm-hmm. where uh, they brought me on as associate editor with no prior digital experience. And, and of course, this was in 2000. And, nine, 2009, mm-hmm. uh, with an opportunity to work in Hong Kong. So for me, it was a, a chance to go, uh, international and to do something that I hadn't done before. And I had a lot of trust put in me, uh, that I really worked hard for during the interview process that, that shined through. Um, so I, I definitely say that's one of them. And I had a chance to build something from scratch and really kind of get into that whole startup mentality and, do social media too like this 2009 was before like social media was really yeah. kicking off as an important part of so publishing.
1: nascent nascent version of social media back yeah. then right and, and how familiar, did so. they find you chris
0: so i this is right after the uh, recession yes in, in 2008 right during that so i had a heck of a time finding something for that that whole year um i had come through hong kong and the beginning of 2008, coming home, coming home from Shanghai, I loved it. I fell in love with it. So I, I wanted to find a, a job in Hong Kong it Took me a year <laughs> to actually.
1: Sorry, I'm just going to rewind you. So you were in Shanghai when you found out about the position in, in Hong Kong. What were you doing yeah. in Shanghai? Because rewind us back because you're from California and you've been around. So take us back a little
0: yeah, sure. I have to go back a little bit further than that. Then, <laughs> uh, So I was not in Shanghai when I found the Hong Kong job. I was actually in California. I had mm-hmm. returned from Shanghai. Mm. I had been back in California for like a year mm. and I was in Shanghai for two years in what 2006, 2007. Uh, I worked for uh, I did English teaching mm. and I worked for uh, a startup. Lifestyle print magazine when I was there. And that was the first time I'd done that. And then prior to that, I was actually a quality assurance engineer for a toy company for three years directly out of college. So it was a big departure even from what I had started doing.
1: So so you left this sort of, I'm putting this in air quotes, the safety and security of like a quality engineer position. And you go around backpacking, teaching English to non-native English speakers in Southeast Asia, is that what you're saying?
0: Close. Yeah, I wouldn't call it <laughs> backpacking, but I, I did sell everything, you know, I, I didn't have a job when I went there. So I ended up getting a teaching job when I went there. And the, the funny thing about how I got there was, I played video games, I played a lot of games, and um, I played Xbox, I had a lot of Xbox mm-hmm. buddies online. One of them happened to live in, in uh, Shanghai. And I was... Looking for a change in my life, uh, wow. looking for something different. And so I told him, you know, hey, you know, I'm looking for something different. What's it like in, in Shanghai? I said, oh, that's great. You should come live with us. Oh, okay. my gosh.
1: This is through a gaming friend that you do like, OK, I'm, I'm pretty unhappy here for whatever reason. I'm just going to stop, sell whatever, just get out and go to Hong Kong and figure it out. That's what happened.
0: That's what happened. And he, okay. he, lived in, he was from New Zealand and he was teaching English there. He said, yeah, yeah we got a spare room uh, you can come stay with us. And uh, you know we'll we'll see how it goes. And so that's exactly what happened. Uh, and then from that springboard, you know, I, I got into the print publication. Mm-hmm. And then from leaving Shanghai after having that experience in Asia, mm-hmm. that allowed me to get in with CNN Go, uh, mm-hmm. and then kind of put my whole career life on a different track than I had been on. You know, when I was uh, quadriplegic engineer for a toy company.
1: Amazing, amazing. So to talk to us about CNN. So what happened? How did yeah. they find you? Tell, tell us about the interview process like dish it out, Chris.
0: <laughs> oh, for for me at the time it was quite something else because I, I had never interviewed at like a big company before. Mm-hmm. Uh so they flew me out to New York and for a couple of days and uh it was very exciting for me. I'd never been to New York. I'd never like interviewed mm-hmm. for a job where they paid mm-hmm. for everything. Mm-hmm. You know. and, and and Chris,
1: they found you. Like, did you apply? Was it through the traditional it process?
0: Was, it was just through a job ad online.
1: Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Okay.
0: A job ad okay. online. And um I I had enough experience to where I was worth talking to. Um and they they flew me out, uh, did a couple interviews and and ended up offering me the gig after a couple months. Um and then they took me out to Hong Kong.
1: Sounds very straightforward. Uh, Chris, w- there were no like curveballs or anything like that during the hiring process?
0: God, it, gosh, it was so long ago. Uh, <laughs> I I just went with the flow because mm-hmm. I I was wanted a day job at the time, you know, it, because there wasn't a whole mm-hmm. lot available. And so mm-hmm. I I would have taken just about anything at that at that stage to uh-huh. to survive. It just so happens that that was the number one thing that I I wanted to have. Um, So I I did whatever they needed me to do. Uh, Put it, put it that way.
1: Okay. Okay. Understood. So that is the first one. And you were saying, I don't know, maybe we were talking backstage. You said there was another one that's had a big influence on um, your career and your life. Which one would that be then?
0: Another one I'd, I'd pick out would be Pixable. And Pixable was a startup that I had uh, joined after working at CNN, HuffPost, and Business Insider. So, like, kind of the media chunk of my career. And one of the things that I had wanted to do was to have a chance to really have my say in things uh, from a content perspective, because I felt like I I had built up enough of a base to be able to direct, uh, to be able to create, and and have my influence Mm -hmm. on it. So Mm -hmm. I got picked up at. Uh, Pixable which at the time was a uh, how do I describe it? it was a photo aggregation app that wasn't doing very well mm-hmm. and they the new CEO came in and he wanted to pivot to a media company and particular millennial geared digital media company this is during when like 2014 mm-hmm. BuzzFeed was kicking off mm-hmm. like it was the mm-hmm. the, the Digital media like mm. golden age when explosion. you know explosion, yes. The explosion, the explosion. So they they brought me in um as director of content. And I built up a team of what ended up being 15 people, ranging from writers and, and editors, uh social, uh, social media editor, growth marketing, video producer, uh, comedian, and like sponsored content folks. Um, and it was amazing like i got to hire people from scratch i got to learn from my past mistakes hiring folks uh, he put total trust in me as far as you know building out the back end and and the tone and the style and it, everything about it and it was wonderful like i, I loved i loved working there uh, mm-hmm. i had a great team i brought in mostly in people who are interns to train mm-hmm. them up myself because i wanted to discard some of the bad habits that I had seen in mm-hmm. media so far and start fresh. Um, so I, I brought in people who, I brought in a, a culture editor who was colorblind and he's he, like, he loved photography, but he was colorblind. It's like, well, you should have a chance because you're, you're incredible. Like you have you still have a great eye, you know, you just need a shot to, to be able to do it. And I learned so much at that at that job. Um, and I, I love the team that I had and everything that I've done since I've carried over so much of it from, from that position in my approach in the kind of content that I value in some of the things that I look for in people who work for me. Uh, it it was just, it was, yeah, it was one of the top, um, experiences.
1: Fantastic. I mean, it sounds like the kind of place you built your social media content leadership jobs, right? I mean, the way you're talking about it.
0: Yeah, I I would definitely say it it built up that in me for Mm -hmm. for sure. Um, It also gave me a taste into the startup sphere and the startup way of doing things and how important it is to have uh, a good match with investors and, and, you know, how you deal with hyper growth, We're not hyper growth, depending on how things are going, what happens when a company goes under. And despite your best efforts, it doesn't work out Mm -hmm. because, you know, it didn't. That that company failed. It Mm -hmm. it, it Mm -hmm. disappeared. Mm -hmm. I I had no control over that. No matter how good we we did, it did not matter. You know, if you don't have certain things in place for a startup, uh, you're not going to survive.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I love how you've given it such a positive spin, right? Uh, learning so much over there, but also like um, opening up your eyes and probably the eyes of your team members, hiring someone who's colorblind to be the head of culture. And, and you know, he, this is the person who looks at photographs, et cetera. Who cares, right? As long as they have that the main skill sets that you're looking for, the aesthetic uh, the eye for aesthetics and also a good attitude, which is really underrated. Um, so I, I love that. Um, all right. Fantastic. So uh, that's such a great start. And, you know, all these moves you made, Chris, uh, so I'm hearing like, you know, Shanghai, Hong Kong, California, New York, Singapore. So if, you know, someone listening today is like, wow, that sounds hard. <laughs> uh-huh. what, what would you say to someone who's like, you know, thinking about making moves or, you know, is worried about the cultural aspect of things. What mm. you, what would you say has helped you to adapt pretty quickly every time you landed um, in a new place?
0: Mm. I mean, it depends on the stage of life that you're in, uh, for, mm. for sure. Like, whether or not it's been me as an individual versus... Me with my my family, yeah, yeah. So the, the, That's two very different different things. Because yeah. when you're with your family, you're not just thinking about yourself; you have other people to consider at the at the same time. Um, but from an individual perspective, actually, then it carries over to you know even the family perspective. It's a open mindedness mm-hmm. more than more than mm-hmm. anything, uh, a flexibility that you have to have going into any new situation that you're unfamiliar with, because I think. Regardless of where you are, you reach a certain comfort level, and you have to be willing to completely break that comfort level and be uncomfortable for a period of time, yeah. in, a, in order to gain that happiness and a new comfort level wherever you are. No matter if it's Singapore, Hong Kong, Shanghai, New York, whatever, whatever it is. So, the openness and flexibility, uh, a cultural awareness mm-hmm. is is undervalued i think in a lot of people who i've seen who who didn't transition well Mm. into a a new environment you know if you're an expat you're going into somebody else's culture and their home you have to you have to try to integrate as much as possible into that uh you know you do see a lot of the expat packages you know folks Mm. who move overseas and they end up Mm. kind of in just a community of expats wherever they go one okay fine maybe that that works for you but you are not going to get the full experience Um, you are not going to make the friends uh, or the lifelong connections or networking that you could possibly have by branching out of that sphere Um, and you just need to be willing to try new things as much as possible and open different perspectives
1: yeah yeah it's so interesting that you said the word expat because I see there's a lot of like sometimes heated debate online on the word expat Mm -hmm. versus immigrant. Because at the end of the day, it's a little bit more privileged, right? Expat, you get the package. Immigrant also, you never know, it might be for a limited duration. Um, And and whatever the situation of the person, right? Because for me, whatever, I'm, I'm sure for you as well, it doesn't matter. It's somebody who's decided to make a life somewhere else, whether it's for five months, five years, five decades. Now, if the person listening today is like, I have the right intentions, Chris. And I want to have that cultural awareness. And how do they build that? If you um, Mm. had to make it a little bit more specific.
0: Challenge yourself. Mm. Like that first time that I went to uh, Shanghai. uh, I mean, China was very different at the time than than it is right now. I don't think I would make that same decision right now or the last couple of years. But at at that time, China for me was something that was as different from normalcy uh, as I could Go. You know, yeah. I had never lived outside of California. Wow. Uh, I was 26 years old. You know, I, I've always wanted to travel, but I, I didn't. So it was a challenge. It was something that, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to put myself outside of my comfort zone and, and push myself. Uh, and, and that first step. And taking that first step and doing it made it much easier the next time. And then it made it easier for the time after that, because I, I knew what to expect. I knew what, to, what it would take. So I would say for people who are considering doing it, mm. you have to look at it as um, as a challenge mm. and as something that you're doing to to better yourself, you're doing to challenge yourself and, and you're going to grow from it. And if you have that mentality and mindset, then you're, you're going to be OK.
1: You're going to be okay. You're going to go pretty far. In your case, really, really far. Like never stepped out of California. <laughs> you are uh, you know, in, in Southeast Asia. Um, I love it. I love it. Um, and fantastic. Now, speaking of Southeast Asia, Chris, let's talk about LinkedIn News, right? Mm. You get hired at LinkedIn News. This is a bit of a loaded question. This is December 2019. <laughs> you get hired at LinkedIn News. And obviously, a couple of months later, your life changed. And I'm going to say two months later, right? Because in that part of the world, COVID hit sooner and a lot harder than it did for the rest of the world. The rest of the world remembers March 2020, but um, a lot of the shiz started in February and January 2020 already. So your work life changed pretty quickly in a new job. So this is a two parter. First we want to know how did you get this job? How did you get hired at LinkedIn? And then part two is as someone who's a senior manager today what would be your best advice to someone who's who needs to whatever it's whether it's by choice or not to lead teams remotely. Mm,
0: okay. So I was I was prepared for the change that came uh, when the pandemic hit. I'll get to that in a second. Okay. Um, I, I was working. I, w- I was in Hong Kong before going to Singapore, and we mm. we had been in Hong Kong for uh, up to that point three three years, and we had moved to Hong Kong from New York. Uh, and 2019 in Hong Kong, as as you know, and a lot of people are probably aware, was the the protests in mm. the, the protests hit. And I had just got a rather large job um, working at HSBC, uh, leading a team there in, what, May? No, April of 2019. So I actually wasn't at HSBC very long before I moved to uh, LinkedIn. The protest kicked off. Mm-hmm. And to put, so put it mildly, we saw the winds of change uh, hitting in... in Hong Kong to the point to where uh, I wanted to keep options open for us not being there, yeah. and not being stuck there, and I wanted to consider that along with my career at the same time, which was yeah. a challenge because yeah. okay, you you have your family, you have your family safety, uh, you know, and you don't want to get in trouble for going and protesting or you know like supporting yeah. you know, the Hong Kong people. And at the same time, I was like, oh, gosh, your whole career is on, you know, on the line as as well. And so I decided and we decided that it was best that we look elsewhere and that from my career, it was also going to be best for me to, to look for the next thing. And I had connections at LinkedIn who uh, I knew and could reach out to to start poking around. So that networking aspect, <laughs> I, I knew people, right? Like it wasn't a blind of kind of outreach um i had also been heavily involved in linkedin before this even as a member myself you know i I was a top voice in 2000 and
1: probably around the time they they introduced top voices right back then yeah
0: back Mm. in the day so around the the day day, yeah back in the day yeah Yeah. 2016 i was a top voice in in media uh so i had already caught the attention of the editors there i had been active for a long time i consistently created content uh, so I, I had that in I had that that network um, I had that visibility already and I had built up very friendly relationships that were helpful from a member perspective to the LinkedIn news team. So when it came time that something opened up, it, I was a, a great fit uh, for it because I had you know the Asia experience you know they knew that I could travel and, and relocate and be totally fine. they knew I had a rich content history and editorial. Uh, and it was, it was a, a, a very good fit. Uh, so once I was identified, it actually moved pretty quickly. Uh, it was a, a fast process uh, from the like initial interview to, um, hey, we want you, now let's do all the visa crap. <laughs> mm-hmm. which was, was not fast, uh, but mm-hmm. It was, it was a quick process. And I would say, again, through networking, uh, through my desire to have the best situation for my family and for my career, uh, it, was, it was the perfect opportunity for me.
1: Perfect. And Sounds like the stars were aligned and it definitely helped. I mean, I know the word gets tossed around, personal brand. But in your case, having worked on it already for so many years, definitely helped you. To accelerate that process even more. Hundred percent.
0: Mm. If I if I didn't work on my personal brand, I would not have had that opportunity mm. when it, when it came up. It, mm. it it existed for me. Yeah. Uh, and especially with LinkedIn. LinkedIn is wonderful for this. I got that job at Pixable because of a job posting on LinkedIn. Mm. You know, I, I got my job at HSBC because of a speaking engagement I did talking about digital media in Hong Kong, where my boss was in the audience and ended up approaching me for, for that job. That was because of LinkedIn. So I, I have, a I had a very strong tie and I continue to have a strong tie to LinkedIn and appreciate it for, you know, what, what it has done for my career. Absolutely. And
1: Absolutely. I'm so glad you said that. And and I've talked about this in, on various other podcasts. LinkedIn has changed my life. And when people say that, uh, I just, when people hear that, I'm like it sounds difficult but you just got to be open to possibility and you just got to right. start creating some sort of visibility right so I'm so glad uh, that you did that and and so talk to us about those first couple of months just before covid hit you got the teams etc and then that uh, it wasn't a transition it was a shock it was from one day to the next so talk to us about how it went down in singapore Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. so I mean we had just come out of the the uncertain situation in hong kong and like yeah. we okay, you know, new start, we're here, we're going to see how Singapore goes. Uh, you we're running around without a mask on uh, and exploring the city and thinking we were going to travel and do all these things. And I'm going into the LinkedIn office, taking pictures and sharing it on my LinkedIn and profile. I'm guessing
1: the universe is looking at you and it was saying, not today, my friend. Not
0: today, buddy. <laughs> not, not today. We're not done with you yet. <laughs> uh, it wasn't just me, though. It was the whole world, so.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah,
0: and and that's that's the perspective of it, right? It, yeah. it, it, that it wasn't just happening to me. It wasn't yeah. just happening to our family. Yeah. It was happening to everybody. Yeah, and so I I couldn't approach it like, oh, poor me, poor unfortunate me. You know, we just moved here and, and did this, and now we're saying it's like mm-hmm. no, like this is the entire world. <laughs> you know, like this is everybody's impacted by this. I'm not mm-hmm. the only one. And I I took the mentality of I. I'm going to leverage my flexibility. Uh, yes, it really sucks that I can't go into the LinkedIn office, which is fabulous, and I was mm. excited being at the like APAC, you know, head office for LinkedIn, big tech tech company. You know, uh, yeah,
1: that cafe David. looked amazing, by the way.
0: It <laughs> so good. They had wonderful coffee, and they had like catered lunches, and
1: yeah. it was pretty
0: sweet. It was a yeah. pretty sweet. Thing. Yeah, uh, but. You know, where where there is chaos, there is also opportunity, a hundred percent. So for, for me, it allowed me to do things like create my newsletter, mm. which uh, was initially in the beginning based around COVID and mm. trying to understand COVID and, and navigate it, you know, in the world and in the workplace. Mm. Uh, so it, I, I took that opportunity. Mm. I took that opportunity to spend more time with my family, mm. um, you know, even through lockdowns at, mm. at home. Mm. I took that opportunity to to advance, you know, what I was working on and, and really dig into things. And so it you you have the, the obvious adjustment and the chaos of everything. But at the same time, if you could recognize those moments that you can help help it to make an improvement for your own situation, if you are fortunate enough to have that, not everybody is, uh, but when you can recognize it, you can, you can do okay. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was, it was challenging. It was hard but it, it, at the end of it all, you know, I'm fortunate for that remote work experience because now I'm a remote worker now full time. Yeah. So I
1: 100 ah, percent. This is 100 percent remote role.
0: Yeah. Yeah. My current gig is 100 percent remote. Yeah. Um, we have off sites every now and again. I'll, I'll yeah. pop into San Francisco, maybe to, when we do open up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's remote.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I got it. And you're in Mountain View. I don't quite know the map, but it sounds like it's a, a little bit of a, we got to drive, drive a little bit. Um, a quick shout out to Career Forward. Chris's newsletter has got over 44,000 subscribers. It is really fun, Chris. Uh, really, really, uh, a, a fun read. Um, and I'm going to link the, um, uh, put it in the show notes. So, um, Talk to us about the, the team aspect when this happened back in LinkedIn, and you know the size of your team. How did you, uh, you know, how did you navigate the, the the big fat change that happened right away?
0: Totally. So I actually went from a leadership role at mm. HSBC to mm. a individual contributor role ah, at LinkedIn. So okay. I did not have a team that I was I was okay. overseeing there. Okay. At least in the first year. Okay. Uh, so for me it was more of navigating with my team as an individual. And that also as a change for me, because I had been in a leadership role for many years before that. So that that, that yeah. was new.
1: For me That's hard. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um,
0: but, but for trans but for transitioning and, and, and still being a leader within that team. As an individual, which was an expectation of me, I, I, it did require a mind shift, and especially during the pandemic, because I couldn't tell people what to do. I had to influence them, yes, you know, yes. with my actions and with the things that uh, I was creating on on my own. You know, working on things like top startups and launching that in Singapore and in Asia, uh, working on the LinkedIn news page and and really trying to influence LinkedIn the LinkedIn news page for. Asia and have that carry over into other news pages that LinkedIn runs, uh, you know, mentoring the uh, other staff around me when, when I saw the opportunity. So it was, it wasn't, it was a shift uh, for me moving from that, you know, management role into yep. a contributor. Yeah, sure. no,
1: but I, I, I totally get that. And uh, leading without titles You know, there'll be lots of books on it. At the end of the day, it's not easy because we do have to swallow a lot of our pride and uh, the influencing, the persuasion, all of that stuff, that's so-called soft skills, which I can't stand. These are power skills, Uh, but they uh, pave the way, right? They train us for what else is, you know, everything else that's coming up um, in our career. So fantastic. And now, you know, Chris, let's talk about content and the whole Mm -hmm. content thing. Let's talk about that in 2022. What advice would you give someone? So you're someone who's been creating content for so long, right? Even um, before you got active on LinkedIn, because I heard you speak, you know, you're talking about speaking engagements and you get seen uh, and whatnot. And and as a gamer, right? You're coming out as yourself. Uh, you're not like hiding some aspect of yourself. Like, oh, what if they judge me? You're like, I'm a proud gamer, <laughs>
0: I've worked me. at a gaming company, you
1: know. You worked I, at a gaming I, I, company. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mentioned it in, in the introduction. My, my boys are going to be so jealous about that. So anyway, let's talk about content. And what advice would you give someone who's listening today who's kind of toe-dipping, you know, kind of thinking about it, not quite there, and they either want to create content or create more content, um, you know, whether it's videos, blogs, et cetera. I would love to hear your point of view.
0: Gosh. Uh so many people are creating content today. Uh, everybody, everybody is a content creator. Yeah. Whether it's the you know Gen Z or yeah. I don't even know what the generation before them are called now. Like 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 the TikTok generation essentially.
1: Oh, I don't like these labels. Generation X, Generation Y, know, Generation Z. Oh. And I'm, even
0: I'm Gen even baby
1: and boomers are on TikTok now. Like holy, holy, like you know. it's aged up. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's it's true. It's true. But everybody is a everybody's a content creator, whether or not you think of yourself as one or not. You know, mm-hmm. even back so far as like the live journal days or Tumblr when it was popular, uh, you know, when Facebook first came out and you're creating a post on it. Uh it, it like everybody is a content creator to some degree. You know, and it just depends on what what content it is that you're creating and how far you want to take it and if you want it to be a part of your career or how much as a part of your personal brand to take your career forward. So my, I guess, biggest tips or advice for people who are dipping their toes into content creation is know what you want to create content about, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, have a thing. And I I say this for for a career starter more specifically, because having a thing that you can point to, say, I know what I'm talking about with this, We'll, we'll go a long way Uh, because there is so much stuff out there that to have a degree of expertise in something is going to help make you stand out in whatever it is that you do. So if you're an engineer, you know, and, and you're able to talk about, uh, you know developing networks and, and, and building products and stuff like there you go. you have you have something you're an expert in it's easier for you to talk about talk about those things. Um, if you want to change that, if you want to pivot out, you have to be willing to step back from yourself and learn. you know I, I wouldn't be able to do banking, gaming, sales, technology, uh, you know lifestyle and travel had I not been willing to step back multiple times. You know, when I took the job at, at Hong Kong Esports, I had to step back in salary. I had to step back in in a number of different things yep. to gain that experience. Uh, to to work at LinkedIn, I had to step back from management yep. of multiple yep. people in order to gain that experience and 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 learn. So, have your thing, have your niche, but if you want to expand, and I do suggest expanding when as you go along, yeah, you got to be willing to step back. Um, you have to also be familiar with digital tools, as many different tools as you possibly can. So whether or not that's understanding, uh, how to use Canva, you know, and and create different uh, graphics for, for what you're doing, whether or not you can do a a live show on LinkedIn, uh, and, and build that up. Even like if you hit bumps along the way, like push through and, and, and do it and learn from that experience and that will help carry you over into the next thing. So yeah, you get, find your niche, go with that. But be willing to step back and learn the tools, the, the tools of the trade as oh much my as gosh. possible.
1: Yeah, hashtag truth bomb right there. <laughs> uh, sometimes one step back, two steps forward. People are so people are so obsessed with the forward bit um and i know your <laughs> newsletter is called career forward
0: that's why it's career forward though for, for that exact reason because like i i would like to talk about this and th- yeah. this is a, a major point everybody yeah. wants to go forward Yeah. you know i can't call career backwards no one's yeah. gonna read on that or read that
1: <laughs> no and and there is so much of the whole um what are people gonna say and, and all of that stuff but um you wouldn't have had the success you've had today, Chris, if you hadn't taken every now and then a, a step back. And I I know this from experience. I know this from personal experience. And I know this from my clients as well. Sometimes it's like, it's not quite the dream role I had in mind, but it's a beautiful bridge. To help yeah. me get there, and you gotta have that long term perspective. Which at some point, you know, we do have to pay our bills, so it, it really works out in in more ways than one. So I'm so so happy that you mentioned it. And and the second thing you mentioned was be prepared to be a student. Uh, again, ego to the side. Um, um, I have an MBA from Harvard Business School. I'm 48 years old. Who cares? I oh. think in the world of content, I think, Chris, it's just a democratic thing. You know, you could be the most uh, popular person offline, but online, we're all kind of going through the same stuff, you know, figuring things out together. And, and yes, you do have to learn a lot of these tools. And the best part, whether you've been at HBS or whether you've been to the School of Hard Knocks, a lot of the tools are free um, that, that you need to learn. So I think uh, it's a great thing, that, as you said, is really never too late to start.
0: It, it's not, and it will go, it will help you in your career as, as you do yeah. go forward. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I look at HSBC as a prime example. I had no finance experience. I never worked for a bank before. Or I,
1: I have to say, I kind of have a little hard time imagining you as a banker with your suit and tie.
0: <laughs> uh, I did too. I mean, I did tuck my shirt in uh, every day, uh, which was a first. You know. <laughs> it's a big deal, uh, right? <laughs> yeah, I didn't wear a suit. a gamer? <laughs> sec- yeah. No, I went, I went from a... Uh, esport you know company doing content building a network across asia to talking about loans and and you know finance and uh, all these serious, things but
1: serious stuff
0: yeah serious stuff um <laughs> in a very bureaucratic type of environment and it, and it was a change 100 mm-hmm. percent. but i liked that mm-hmm. i loved the challenge of like i'm gonna figure this out i want to figure out how to how to Do finance content uh, and understand how this thing works. It was a puzzle to me. You know, content is a puzzle. It's something that you should be interested in regardless of the topic, you know, whether it's finance or gaming or whatever it is that, you know, whoever's watching this is interested in. The act of content creation and reaching an audience and either improving that, that audience's knowledge in whatever the subject is or helping them gain something from it If that is your backbone, then it doesn't matter what it is that you're writing about or speaking about or talking about. It's interesting and it becomes interesting to you. Um, So that's the approach that I've taken that that's really helped me. And that's the approach that I'm taking with Gong as well, you know, Mm because I I have not been on a marketing team before. This is the first time I've been on a marketing Mm -hmm. team. I'm a marketer now. Right. Yeah.
1: Let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. This is this is fantastic. So, Chris, you officially became part of the great resignation in 2022. I did, didn't I? Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. You're talking about it, you were writing about it, you were doing stats in it, and now you're a statistic. (laughs) (laughs) So talk to us about Gong and returning to California. How's it going? How did you get hired there? Tell us everything.
0: Sure. So two years in Singapore, um, pandemic related. Where We hadn't left the city in two years, um, which was not necessarily easy, (laughs) uh, I I would say. Um, Can't see family. You know, I've got family here in California. Uh, So, yeah, uh, I had seen Gong in top startups, Mm -hmm. uh, one of the lists that we had created Mm -hmm. uh, that I had actually worked on but it was for the U.S. version. Mm-hmm. So the U.S. had the same version and I obviously knew everything that goes into making a top startup list, like what we look for in companies, uh, like all the values that they have. And I saw Gong and my, it seems like an interesting company. I like it. And so I started digging around a bit and saw that they were- I'm like, gonna just pause you for yeah. a sec,
1: Chris, sorry. Yeah, sure. there, were, there were so many companies on that list. You saw so many, even some of them didn't even make the cut, right? So of all the companies that made the cut, I'm I'm actually turning the tables here. So instead of like, what did Gong see? What did you see? Why Gong at that yeah. time?
0: So I would never heard of them. <laughs> um, it, it was out of my sphere of like the things that I was covering or really focusing on. And so I, I saw them on the list at number two for the U.S. version and looked them up on LinkedIn, obviously, and yeah. saw them. What they were doing on LinkedIn was actually really interesting. They had engaging content, and uh, the head of content uh, was a interesting guy who really kn- knows his stuff. Uh, so I did my due diligence on like who the, the people are, who is yes. actually creating these things. Yes, I looked into uh, the company and how profitable they were because this was a mistake that I had. Uh, run into before where I didn't mm. pay attention to the investors. I didn't pay attention to the CEO. You know, like mm. I, I I didn't focus on those things. So what I, I started looking into the company because it was interesting and they were focused. They are focused on AI. They're focused on uh, profit and 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 sales. So mm. wow, okay. Those profit. are those
1: are usually pretty good things.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, and and in my experience, uh, where funding can be difficult to come by, or you have hyper-growth situations where they just go, 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 it's drop all kinds of crazy cash, but don't have a clear output as to how you're going to make money. Gong was different from that. Mm. And uh, so I, I did my research. It looked interesting. The content was already good. Um, I saw opportunities for the kind of skills that I had, and they had a managing editor role that was opening up, which was the first one that they had ah. they had done. Um, So I I reached out. So you found
1: out out about the role because of a a vacancy on LinkedIn? Yes. Oh, my gosh. I love this so much. Um, So on one hand, you know, you, you have, oh, my gosh, Chris, this heated debate. Again, I'm using the word heated. It gets ugly. There's this whole thing on Twitter and LinkedIn about the hidden job market. Mm-hmm. You go to hashtag hidden job market, you'll see for and against, you'll see these two camps. I'm one of those people that says it does exist. It is there. However, right? That doesn't mean applications are dead. Uh, you, in your case, it really helps that you see something then you target it. You target it, you're focused on it. And you've worked so hard over so many years to have this portfolio of work, which is visible and helps with credibility that the application sometimes becomes almost like a formality. Do you know what yeah. I mean?
0: Hmm. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, I, Gong wasn't the only place that I applied for. So it's not like mm-hmm. I just put myself out there and got the job and everything's ah, okay. so easy and, and whatnot. Like, no, that, that that's not the case. Yep. But Gong was one of the best suited for me that I did put myself out there for. And uh, it 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 did work out, and I I agree that yeah, there is a there is could be a hidden network, you know. And Mm. I've gotten jobs through you know Mm. before jobs were existed, Mm. Uh, but some of the best ones I got CNN Go, Mm. Pixable, Gong. These were these were listed. You know, these were posted jobs. Huffington Post, actually, same thing. Like I applied for these jobs. You can get them and you can get high ranking roles by t- applying for jobs in the traditional way.
1: News flash, breaking news. <laughs> and, and talk to us about the, the other thing which I find interesting, and I wanna hear your viewpoint here, Chris, is uh, people say only apply to a job if you meet 100% of the requirements. Some people say 60%. I'm one of those that says 60% because I do feel like the wish list is unrealistic at some point. You know, There's this blue unicorn they're looking for. What is your like magic, like sweet spot?
0: Mm, it depends on how well that sixty percent syncs up. Mm. With, I'm
1: I'm talking like you know there's a, a, a must-have and then there's that nice to have.
0: Mm. I'm trying to think of when when I've hired as well too. Mm. Uh, yes, because I've hired a lot a ton of folks over the years. Um, gosh, I think when when I hire when I've hired people, it maybe hits around. 50, 50 to 70. Yeah. I'd say. Yeah. Rarely do I find somebody that is a hundred percent. And also I find that if it is somebody with like 90%, then there's also way more competition for that person Yeah. Uh, in, in a role. So oftentimes I do have to end up sacrificing something yes. uh, to, to get the right person for the role. And I do want to call out that there are the intangibles that are not just based upon yes. The experience that you have, whether it's content creation or management, whatever, but also your uh, your mentality, how you yeah. approach things, you know, your work ethic, your flexibility,
1: attitude, absolutely, your attitude, yeah. like
0: these these things. When I'm speaking to somebody, uh, you know, I know in the first five minutes, okay, this is this could this is going in a good direction. You know, I want I yeah. want to hear more um, that connection that that you build with somebody. Yes, so I. I I do think that you have the 50 to 70% of like the experience, but then the intangibles count for the rest of it. Yes. Uh, 100%.
1: Appreciate that. Since we're on this like honesty thing, I want to ask you one quick thing here as well. Have you ever felt like if someone meets 100% of the requirements, they might just be a little overqualified?
0: No, because you never know the full reason for why somebody is is doing something. And this goes Mm -hmm. into like a career pivot as, as as well, Mm -hmm. or a tough job market um, or, you know, an international move for, for personal reasons, right? Like there will be times where you have people who seem overqualified. And I think this goes to um, uh, like the 50, the 50 plus group as well too. Like, traditionally you know you have somebody maybe has 20 years of experience um and you you think that they might be more expensive but there's a there's a reason why like they're really good (laughs) you know and if if you think maybe there's going to be an issue with them being challenged like they're not going to be challenged with the role because they've learned everything then you know, tell them that. Like, bring bring it up. Say, hey, you have way more experience than than I, I was counting on for a role like this. Why Why are you looking into this? And then you get the reasoning, you get the, yeah. the rationale for it. And I think that you should always consider that rationale.
1: Yes, yes.
0: And what that reason is, and hear people out from a from a hiring perspective. And yes. the same thing with me too. If I'm going into something and I have way more experience, which hasn't usually been the case for for me, like the, I'm usually lacking something, you know, whether it's uh at the esport company i was lacking like building a regional team at hsbc i was lacking finance mm. at, at gong I n- i've never worked at a marketing company mm. so i always had something that i was going into it that i i was i'm after um but for somebody else you know i i, w- I would tell them what why
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, mean, I think every case is individual and i think that it's important person. that generalizations are not made and then people are not rejected or canceled without giving them a fair chance. So, and um,
0: especially as I, I approached, you know, getting older too, and, and th- this is important when you have more experience, everybody deserves a chance. Yeah. Everybody, no yeah. matter, no matter what, no matter how old you are or in I- anything, yeah. like if they have the skills, if they have the right attitude, you know, it yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. And you cannot discriminate. Uh, you, you cannot let your own personal, um, uh, I can't think of the word right now, it's still early in the morning for me. Bias, <laughs>
1: prejudice. I got yeah, it. No, yeah, I, 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 I love it. I love it. Yeah. I'm gonna just add something here because I'm uh, a big fan of crime fiction and um, you know, the books, but they've also come out in series on Amazon Prime. It's called Harry Bosch. So, have you heard of hmm. it? Michael Connolly? Anyway, it's based in LA, a lot of crime, a lot of crime in LA. <laughs> so, um, his, his favorite line, and he says it again and again, is everybody counts or nobody counts. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's what I'm thinking of when you said that. Um it's not idealistic, right? I mean I mean let's give people a benefit of the doubt. N- not everybody wastes the company's time to apply for the sake of it. There is a, a reasoning behind it. Um so I love it. So we spoke briefly Chris about startups and how you made the decision to come to Gong and you know the process you did, the due diligence you did on your part because you said you know you in some way you've been burnt before and you wanted to avoid that. So how can someone Help this person. You know, there's so many startups hiring today. How can someone ascertain if this particular startup is right for them? And how do they, you know, measure and manage all of the risks involved? Because it's like multiple moving parts here.
0: Mm. I actually wrote about this. um, 10 things you you should seriously consider before joining Mm. any startup. Mm. And I wrote this Mm. three three and a half years ago, mm-hmm. I think, and then rebooted mm-hmm. it for... Uh, I was going to say
1: a uh, uh, 2020, 2022 version. Yeah.
0: Yeah, rebooted yeah. it yeah. for a uh, campaign that we did and it's still relevant today. Um, <laughs> working f- working for a startup is a, is a different beast than yes. like a traditional company. Yes. Uh, that's a whole nother... I'll, I'll try to give like the short version. Yes. Um, <laughs> the short version of it. Okay, how do I how do I sum this up uh, in five words or less? Twenty characters or less. Uh, you could you, go a little you, over. I don't mind. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I'll go over. Um, startups are hard. Mm. I, I will say, as startups, you have to go into them with the anticipation that you're you're not going to necessarily do the thing that you were hired for. Mm. Mm. Uh, because there will be other needs that, that will come up where your skill set will be leveraged depending on that need that the company has. And you have to be willing to pivot and switch.
1: So be, be prepared to wear multiple hats, even if even if they hired you for one.
0: You you have to want to join a startup because you are you you want to wear multiple hats. Yes. Because you yes. You, you will do that. Uh, and that is a, a poor part of the experience of, of working at a startup. So that that's key. Um, and another key is is that you have to check your ego pretty quickly because you cannot whether you're a leader or an intern starting for the first time. Um, there will be smart people all around you who are very good at what they do, yeah. and you need to be able to check your ego and listen to them and trust them, uh, and and not just yourself and and know how to navigate that space. So meaning. I know that if something comes my way and I have to complete a project uh, and because it's a startup, there's not a lot of resourcing to, or maybe there's not a lot of money or budget to, to throw at something that you might get at a larger company. You know, if you're creating content, maybe you have a couple hundred dollars to source something as opposed to 50,000 to get a social video produced at like a big corporation, you know? So you have to figure out how to do that. And you have to... M- Find people that you work with who can help you, even if they're not in the same department. Maybe there's somebody sitting next to you who can do something <laughs> that they weren't hired for. Hey, you know, I heard you have experience in this. You know, I have this thing I need to do. Do you want to partner up on it? And and you know, like, we try to solve this together. And then they have the same mentality as you. And they're thinking, yeah, OK, I, I do have this experience. I wasn't hired for it, but I'm going to help you out. You know, and we're going to we're going to get to this uh, together. And then it goes back. Right. Like they're going to reach out to you for the for the same thing. So you have to be prepared for that. Uh, you, and, and you have to leverage that while you're there. And the, the people who do that are the ones who are going to be the most successful at a startup. They're the ones who are going to get promoted. Uh, they're the ones who are, who are going to have an experience to look back on when they leave. That's going to count for um, for a lot. Yeah. So that's yeah. One, that's one of the biggest things I think I, I'd want to call out. And then yeah. the, the second thing, just re- real quick, would be it, you you don't know the working hours all the time. Mm-hmm. Like you, you have mm-hmm. to be prepared to mm-hmm. work longer longer hours. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's a reason why someone like Elon Musk mm-hmm. can build five successful companies. Mm-hmm. It's because he has high expectations, and the people that he has are very passionate about what they do. Uh, so you do have some concessions that you have to make in your own life around that job uh, with the, with the startup. And you have, you have to be prepared for that. Uh, it's, it's, it's not the nine to five. That it's not, you might um,
1: that's the, not everyone's uh, cup of tea. No, thank you but, so much for, uh, for spending time on that. And, and uh, I think what I'll do is as well is um, I'll get the link um, you can, you can share with me the link to the article because I think they yeah, go sure. in a lot more detail and I think that would help uh, Lots of people. Um, Chris, I wasn't planning to ask you this, but um I want to ask you about age. Because <laughs> a lot of people, when they think of startups, they think young, yuppie crowd. Mm. And there's a lot of people who are 40, 50, and above who self-select, I'm sorry, who self-deselect and decide they're not gonna bother applying because they don't think they will fit in that culture. What are your thoughts on that? Mm.
0: Oh, never self deselect. Always, Mm -hmm. always take that chance. I mean, when we were talking about uh, putting out a job application for a listed job before, Mm. it does not hurt to apply. Yeah. Like, yes, the level of experience that you have matters, Um, how much effort you put into matching your experience with that company when you apply matters, you know, the the cover letter, the outreach that you do, all that stuff matters. But it doesn't hurt to try,
1: you yeah. know,
0: at least try. If you see something that's interesting, whether if, and if it's a startup and if you're uh, on the, on the older side of things, um, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, Your experience is valuable. And I think if, if anything, like startups should have more exposure to people who are not, maybe not even necessarily like top leadership, but who just have solid years of experience because there is a lot there are a lot of people at a startup who need that mentorship from from people. Yes. You know, yes. They need to be around people who know the ropes, who have navigated large companies and companies that have scaled uh potentially before and can be a go-to. Yeah. And this is something that startups need to remember as well. Yeah, it's cool and it's fun to have like a, a young hip team you know and like beer parties every Friday and whatnot but if you if you build that without bringing in some kind of experience to help mentor like younger workers along as you go you're going to be missing something yeah. And yeah. I've seen this you know and I and I and you've developed these blind spots so for for people this is your advantage if if you are older you have that experience leverage it to your advantage, you know, take on a mentorship role, um, and, and, and use it yeah. <laughs> and apply.
1: Yeah. And, and worst case scenario, they don't get back to you. Who cares? I mean, it doesn't, uh, um, cost an arm and a leg to think, huh, oh, maybe, maybe this could work out or not like, right? um, or not. Yeah, that's fine either way. But I'm 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 glad you mentioned it. I'm glad I asked this question because I I, I hear this directly from the horses' mouth so many times. Um, they feel excluded. Well, I'm I'm saying they. I'm I'm, I'm uh, above forty as well, and a lot of this population feels like <clears throat> you know startups are not for them. So yeah. um, I I think there's some research out there that that hopefully will prove me uh, wrong, but the perceptions are very different. So fantastic. Oh my gosh, Chris, we're coming close to the end. Time has absolutely flown. And there is a particular question I ask every single guest of mine till date. And that is, when you look back on your career, is there one standout defining moment that supercharged your career and helped you to move towards your current success?
0: There is not. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> there, there there is not. I mean, I, I guess I could point to, you know, leaving California the first time uh, mm-hmm. from that QA role and into something completely different. I mean th- there was a pre that moment and a post that moment for both my career and my life. So I okay, yes, I guess there is. But I have taken that mentality throughout the entirety of my career uh, and had micro moments that have helped define who I am and and who I am as a professional Uh, so that that's why I hesitate to say that there's one Mm. because I like to think that there are multiple and I I try to recognize when I have uh, those opportunities uh, you know both for myself and for for my work and and what I'm doing so That would be my advice to people is that, yes, you can have a career defining moment, but never look at it as a singular uh, Mm -hmm. thing. You know, you can have multiple career defining moments if you know how to get after them and and you know what you are looking for.
1: Yeah, no, I understand. I I think I've uh, taken a lot away from this conversation and the underlying theme, I think, that has brought a lot of it together is the get comfortable being uncomfortable. Summary, yeah. which has applied Especially in today's world in today's world and it's applied multiple times in your own career as well fantastic Chris what is the best way for people to learn more about you
0: my LinkedIn page mm. Uh, mm. yeah I, I do live on there um, mm. I do post content on LinkedIn mm. so yeah the, my LinkedIn profile and then my newsletter career forward yeah. which I have admittedly uh, not been too uh, too good with updating lately as you know as, as it happens but that does exist it will be continuing to update and i do talk a lot about careers i mean the 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 name is career forward so i would hope i talk about careers uh and i try to bring personality and make it entertaining so that would be the place
1: awesome fantastic chris this has been such a pleasure thank you so much for your time today i wish you huge success with the newsletter with gong and beyond.
0: gong is great by the way this is i'm so happy to join this company (laughs) (laughs)
1: Talk to you soon. Hey, you made it till the end. That shows that you care about your career. And that means we need to hang out a little bit more. So just a couple of things. Did you know I hang out on LinkedIn, YouTube and Facebook live every single Friday at 2pm Central European time. So you are more than welcome to join me. Just follow the links in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode... Maybe share it with three of your closest friends. And if you're feeling even more generous, leave me a fabulous review on Apple Podcasts. That really, really helps the discoverability of the show. So thank you so much for listening. Take care of yourself. And until next time, bye for now.